So here we are, we're going to uh, spend a few moments together looking at the passage that Tom read to us, a familiar passage to us at this Christmas time, but a very fitting passage for us today as we have this baptism. We always uh, seem to baptise young people and other people at Christmas. I've looked back and there's been a whole host of people baptised at Christmas. And it's great because we recognise that God came and that he came as Saviour and as Lord. And what a better uh, expression of that than a baptism. But what on earth has Nick and Misha let themselves in for? Really, what have they let themselves in for? It's too late now, but what have they let themselves in for? You see, they've recognized that God is the Lord of the universe. He's the one who is king, designer, friend. He's awesome in power. He's clutched them from darkness. He's Lord of their lives. They've recognized that God made them. God loves them. He's wiped their sin away. And they've recognized that the king of heaven holds them and will into eternity. Wow. There might be an hallelujah. No, okay. It's time for Misha and for Nick, but also for all of us as we continue on our journeys with God to follow Jesus and in doing so become more like him. The Bible clearly says in Ephesians, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. It's time for all of us to discover who God is and live like him, live for him, but become more and more like him in our everyday life. And over the coming months, if you were here last Sunday, you'll know that we're going to look at the book of Luke to discover just who this Jesus is is and how we can learn to live like him and become more like him. The book of Luke is rich with all kinds of things, but we're going to look at the very first chapters uh, this morning. We're going to look at Jesus's earliest moments on earth, his birth. And we're going to learn a few things about following Jesus from these passages. And the first one is that following Jesus means accepting his call and the cost. Let's think about a lady called Mary, probably a similar age to Misha, uh, maybe even a little bit younger. She gets told by an angel she's going to have a baby. Wow. Your faces all look like, oh well, we've heard that before. Think about it. 15, 16-year-old girl gets a visit from an angel and she's told she's going to have a baby. Now, this is a kind of unusual thing anyway, but she's never had sex. She is a virgin. She is a teenager. And she is told she is going to be the mother of the Messiah, the saviour of the world. I wonder what your response would have been. Misha? Nervous giggles. I wonder what your response would have been. I find Mary's response stunning. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. May you do what you're going to do, and I will be your servant. I will be part of it in every single way. That is an incredible response. 
don't you think? From that moment of accepting what God was asking of her, she had a choice to make. She could have kind of run away, hid, uh, just gone underground. But actually, she took what was happening very seriously and she counted the cost. She isn't married. She has to go and tell Joseph that she's having a baby. That was an easy conversation. She had to tell her parents her community, all those who knew her and loved her and were excited about her forthcoming marriage to Joseph the carpenter. Listen to what's going on here. This isn't comfortable, safe. She risked people not believing her, complete disgrace from the community she lived in, a future of being an outcast. And yet, she said these words, I am willing to be a servant of God. Didn't get any better. She's eight months pregnant, probably, and told she has to go to Bethlehem, a backwater which she probably didn't really know where it was, knew nobody. She gets there, there's no room, and she gives birth in a stable. No nurses, no nice hospital wards, and certainly no toast after delivery, like I had with Lucy. Her birthing experience, her pregnancy, was far from textbook. And yet she was willing to say these words. I am a willing servant of God. If you'd been Mary, what would your response have been? When God calls you, what's your response to him? When God whispers something in your ear, even as simple as go and knock on your next door neighbor's door and offer them a cup of tea, what is your response? For Mary, to be a willing servant of God was costly, uncomfortable, very messy, we won't go there, and yet completely God-filled. It was an adventure for her. And there's a lovely phrase in the next bit of Luke that we didn't get to uh, read that said, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. As she looked back over the journey she had had from being told by the angel she would be the mother of the saviour of the world, the Messiah, to the moment where the wise men had visited. She said, and she treasured these things in her heart. You see, she knew the call and the cost. She went for it and it brought her great joy even though it cost her great sacrifice. Mary would have done it all again because the joy of being God's servant was worth every little bit of stress, every tear, every mile on the back of a donkey, every groan of labour. And yet at the end she can say she treasured these things in her heart because being part of that adventure was worth it. In Mary, we see what it means to be accept, to accept the call of God. And to be a follower of Jesus means that we have to do the same. What is God asking of you this week? In the big things, but also in the small. Are you like Mary and say, I am a willing servant, go, send me. Whatever the cost, I'm up for it, I'm going. <coughs> That's a really big question. In the small and the big, are you willing, like Mary, to surrender to God and be a servant? Sam Carrington's going to come and speak for us in just a moment when I find a mic. Uh, 
Simon, what did you do with the lollipop? Fantastic. He told me a story a couple of weeks ago, um, and I've asked him to come and share it because I think you guys need to hear it. It's awesome. I could have told it, but Sam will told it, tell it a lot better. And so Sam's going to come and just share a story that captures some of this. Um, yeah, okay. Um, two weeks ago, I was at Sizewell with some of the other people here, and um, the guy who was speaking told a lot of stories. And this one is a true story about a girl in Amsterdam. Uh, she's 16 years old and she was in the street in Amsterdam and she felt God was saying to her to go into a pub. So she went into the pub and she saw a man uh, leaning against the bar by himself and God was saying to her, go speak to him. So he did and the only thing she said to him was, there's nothing you have done that can separate you from the love of God. And he just looked at her, grunted, ignored it um, and tried to put it to one side. And she said again, no, listen, there's nothing you've done that has separated you from the love of God. He was a bit more aggressive this time. He said, go away, um, or worse to that extent. <laughs> and then um, so she said one more time, no, there's nothing you've done that has separated you from the love of God. And then he looked at her and he said to her that God can't love him because he said, I'm the leader of the church of Satan in all of the Netherlands. He couldn't forgive me because I've done too much to him. And she said one more time, that there's nothing you've done that has separated you from the love of God. Seven days later, that man was on his knees in a church and he gave his life to Jesus. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it really hit me that this girl was 16, which is the same age as me. And it made me realise that, um, what am I doing? Because um, to follow Jesus, we need to be prepared to do things like that. And um, yeah, it made me, uh, encouraged me to pray that God will speak to me, but also that not just that he'll speak to me, that I'll, but that I'll have the faith to follow it. Because um, yeah, if we do what God says to us, then the result will be beyond what we could have predicted. And yeah, it was just challenged me and encouraged me. Brilliant. Let's give him a clap, shall we? That was awesome. When you hear the end of the story, you go, wow, that could never be me. But actually, the beginning of the story began with a 16-year-old walking down the street. And God said, go into a pub and talk to someone in there. Has God ever done that to you? It begins with something small, but God turned it into something incredible. It began with a teenage girl saying, I'm going to take what God is saying to me in this moment really seriously, and I'm going to go for it, despite the risk. She was 16, going into a pub in Amsterdam. That's not safe. That's risky. I'm so glad Sam was able to share that story, because that challenges me hugely. It's incredible when we look at Mary and when we hear stories like that. It makes your faith rise, doesn't it? But actually, what are you going to do about it tomorrow morning? Are you going to accept what he's saying? Be prepared to listen to what he's saying, even though that might mean a bit of humiliation or embarrassment or a bit of nervousness about what's going to happen. Are we going to accept his call in the big and the small, even though it might be a bit risky? Are we going to follow Jesus in those moments? Or are we going to run away and hide? Which I should imagine Mary was quite tempted to do at many, many points. Following Jesus is about that. But this uh, birth narrative also highlights a few other things for us. Following Jesus means that we have to come as we are. As you know, we're looking through the book of Luke over the next few months. And the birth stories of Luke hold something in there for us that's unique compared to the other stories in the other Gospels. 
Luke's book is very much about the humanity of Jesus. He's trying to show us that Jesus was a human, fully human, whilst being fully God. He was fully human. He experienced things like we experience. He, uh, Luke, likes to put a little spin on it and say, look, this guy's just like you in so many ways. And, and therefore, his birth accounts say the same thing. For example, we uh, only learn here in Luke uh, that Jesus was laid in a manger. Now, this is probably what a manger would have looked like. Uh, lovely and comfortable for a newborn child, I'm sure. Uh, used to feed animals as opposed to anything else. Definitely, probably never used as a, a cot beforehand. And Luke's the only one to highlight this for us, that Jesus was born in a stable. He was laid in a manger. We had Lucy's first nativity play this week, and uh, she stole baby Jesus from the manger, so that was good. Um, and she did give him back eventually, but that was also good. But a manger is an important part of this story for us, and it tells us something about the way that Jesus came. If you were to send the Son of God, the King of the universe, the Bible says he's the one who before all time uh, brought creation into being, would you have chosen for him to be born as a baby and put in a manger? Would you have chosen for him to be born in a place that no one had ever heard of, Bethlehem? Would you have chosen for him to be amongst animals that were smelly? Uh, Would you have chosen for him to be born to a teenage mum? Jesus wasn't born in a mansion. He was born in a manger. He could have been born in the palaces, the richest palace in the whole region. It still wouldn't have been grand enough for him. And yet he was born quietly in a backwater called Bethlehem, which apparently is like Skegness, and in a stable fit for animals. Why? Jesus came in exactly the right way. He was born in exactly the right way, in exactly the right time. And he came showing us who he came for. You see, he came for all those who were in need of saving, all of those who were poor in spirit as well as those poor in pennies. He came to provide salvation and hope in a hard, dark, desperate, crazy situation. Jesus came for the broken. This is what it says. Uh, This is Jesus speaking, and he's saying, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord. Luke also says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came in a manner that identifies with those he came for. And that's a huge challenge for us in the way that we go. It's exciting about the uh, night shelter beginning this week. That's a part of us showing who Jesus came for. But actually, it also says something about how we come to God. See, being loved by God and being used by God and being a servant of God and being a daughter or a son of God isn't dependent on anything we have. No pennies, no nice cars, no intellect, no good looks, no X-factor final results, nothing, nothing, nothing. 
is about what uh, Jesus came for. He came because he loved us. And following Jesus means that we must do the same. We must come before him with nothing and say, I am yours. I belong to you. I'm offering myself to you. Mike Breen puts it like this. It's not what I can do for God, but what God can do through me. Jesus came and was born in a manger to identify with us. And he's saying it's not dependent on you, your salvation. It's not dependent on you whether you're loved. It's all about what I have done for you. I've created you. I love you. I I want you to come to me as you are. And then when you come in surrender, when you come and say, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. I know it's not dependent on me then he can do incredible things through you. That's exciting, isn't it? I hate the carol in the bleak midwinter. I'm sorry for lovers of it. It wasn't snowing anywhere near Bethlehem when he was born, and I know that's not the context. But I do love the last verse. And I remember singing this as a child, uh, bravely as a solo, very off-key. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I was a wise man, I would do my part. But what can I give him? I give him my heart. It's the kind of way Jesus came. And he said, my salvation isn't dependent on anything you can give me. Just give me your heart. Give me everything. Come as you are and trust that I will do something in your life. Following Jesus is about coming as we are. But there's another thing about the incarnation of Christ, which is the posh word for Jesus coming uh, as a man. Following Jesus is also about going and not staying. How comfortable do you think heaven is? Nervous giggles. Can't wait to find out in some ways. How comfortable is heaven going to be? It's going to be a place of continual praise. It's going to be a place where we rejoice with Jesus. We can see him face to face. I I, I just can't even begin to grasp how great heaven is going to be. But can you imagine how great heaven would be if you were Jesus? The Bible says that he gave up heaven and became a man. That passage we read in John 1, this is from the message, just because it illustrates this really well. He came to his own people, but they did not want him. John 1, 13. Jesus came to earth. Why? Because of you and me. Because he wanted us to know of his great love. He wanted us to be restored to his his relationship. He wanted us to be, catch our attention and say, I'm coming. He could have invited us to heaven and said, I love you, but he didn't. He went, he came, he left everything about heaven and he came and was born as a baby. Jesus came. Very act of Jesus leaving heaven says so much about what following Jesus is for us. 
I love the fact that Misha, in her testimony, mentioned something that a lot of us are thinking about around the church, and especially uh, we've been thinking about it a lot with the young people over the coming term, about living a life that is in balance, about having a relationship with God are up, about having an intentional discipleship with other Christians, the in, but actually about also living out. See, that's what Jesus did. And he says, if you're going to follow me, then it's about going, not staying. It's about not inviting people in. It's about going to be where people are. That's exactly what Jesus did. Him coming to earth is an intentional out. I'm coming. I'm going to tell you what it means to follow me. I'm going to show you what it means to be loved by the God of heaven. Jesus didn't invite us to heaven. He said, let me come to you and let me show you. We need to do the same. The act of Jesus being born shows us that Jesus' life was motivated by his out. Uh, I was reading an article uh, in The Guardian about how Christians waste the opportunity of Christmas. Uh, That kind of stirred me a little bit. And this was from an atheist journalist. And he was saying, if you had uh, an opportunity, it was Christmas. Uh, If you're going to tell anyone about Jesus, then it's an open season for you, isn't it? And I thought, blimey, an atheist journalist is telling me this. Um, But actually, uh, at this Christmas time, we need to be motivated by our out. Jesus came, and so we must go to. We must go to those around us. A series of questions for you to consider as we begin to apply this. Are you bothered enough to show your non-Christian friends the difference Jesus makes in your life? I've asked that question of myself a lot recently. Uh, What does that mean for me? It means that I'm willing to walk through hard times with them at great cost. It means that I'm willing to put the kettle on at any point, even at 11 o'clock at night as I did the other week. It means that I lug boxes around as I help friends move house and offer to pray for them that, that God will bless them in their new house. It means that I'm willing to say, well, actually, I think God might be saying this in this situation. Uh, and sometimes that resolves with me going, oh, that was a bit scary. I've told them about God and I leave and think, will I get an invite back? Uh, you know, there are loads of things that, uh, uh, that help me, that are little things, show them that I'm bothered enough to tell them about God. Are you willing to empty your bank account so that you can help those who are in need? Are you bothered about the lost people in your road to go and sit with them and get to know them and share something of Jesus in? The final thing brings us to a close, bringing all of this together. You see, if I'm bothered about the fact that Jesus came and therefore he asks me, to go to those who he uh, loves but who do not know him, then we need to recognize how Jesus came. And he came as a surprise. A surprise, not in many ways, because he'd been prophesied about. Uh, the, the Jews knew he was going to come. Uh, he didn't come in the way they thought he was, and they certainly didn't do the things that they hoped he would. But he wasn't a surprise in that way. But actually, if you think about the wise men, where did they go to look for the new king? They went to the palace and had a chat with Herod, who said, new king, panic. Jesus came as a surprise. He was born in a manger. The king of heaven was born in a manger. We learn, therefore, 
that we can go and be a surprise to others. In our going, go and surprise someone. I wonder what your non-Christian friends think Christians are like. Some of them will have really positive things to say about Christians. Others may not. If they base themselves on what they see on the television, then uh, we're stuffed, really. But actually, go and be a surprise to someone this Christmas. I have a challenge for you. Challenge Christmas, I've called it. This uh, information is on my blog, so do go and find it on there. But... Go and be a surprise this Christmas. You see, if Jesus, following Jesus is about saying yes to the call that he's asked of us, and even though that might be costly, if it's about going as you are and saying, God, use me, if it's about actually going rather than just inviting people to something, why don't you go and do something surprising this Christmas? I was reading of a church uh, in Bedfordshire who this year are taking turkeys to every single person in their parish. Bet the turkey farmers around there are loving them. But they've brought tons of turkeys and they're just taking them to everyone in their neighborhood and saying, happy Christmas from the church. How cool would that be? That's a surprising thing to do. What are you going to do this Christmas? Why don't you pray over this afternoon and say, God, how can I be a surprise to those who don't know you this Christmas? If I'm going to take following Jesus really seriously, what am I going to do for him? What am I going to allow him to do in me and through me as I come as I am before him? What am I going to do? How am I going to be? Following Jesus means that you can go and be a surprise. I'd love you to think about what that means. Finally, though, I couldn't resist this. Following Jesus means that you know that nothing is impossible for God. That's what it says uh, when Mary hears from the angel. She hears, she hears, you're going to have a baby, as is your older cousin Elizabeth, because nothing is impossible for God. And you see, when you are a surprise, and when you go as you are, and when you go rather than stay in, when you go in Jesus' name expecting him to do something, incredible things happen. That girl that Sam talked about could never have known she was going to go and talk to the head of the church of Satan. If she had... She probably would have had a a, a much more of an argument with God, I should imagine, about whether she would go. When we step out and do something in Jesus' name, he promises that the impossible becomes possible. And I'm really excited about you guys coming back and saying, I did this. I surprised someone this Christmas and God did something incredible. And if that happens, please come and tell me. I'd love to share your stories. It begins with us praying. So why don't we turn to pray together now? And why don't we turn and pray about what God wants of us at this Christmas time? Let's pause for a moment and then... Just wonder what God might say to each of us. Let's begin where Claire ended about God being uh, a surprising God. The whole thing is a surprise. The people, the place, 
the message takes us off guard if we really understand it. We want to ask for ourselves something of the simplicity of Mary who was willing to say, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with what you say. Because she kind of knew she had nothing to offer. It was all on God's terms. Forgive us when we complicate it so much because we think we've got things to offer. And as Mary said yes, what does it mean for us to say yes this Christmas? To say yes, that I'm willing to be part of what you want to do with the people around me. So just help us in the quietness to know what it means for each one of us to say as Mary did, okay, I'm in. I'll do what you're asking. We might be surprised by what God says and others might be more surprised when we go and do it. But we recognize that what begun because Mary simply said yes, became something way bigger than she ever imagined. May our little yeses this week, by your grace and purpose, become something way, way more. Purify us, Lord, so we're spotless and pure as we hold out your word to this generation. How can they believe and how can they call on your name unless we tell them? Work in us in these moments. Send us out to work through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together as we sing.